I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, this is LCBU number two, I believe. Well, you can look at the title in the description and see which LCBU it is. The LCBU is a Lawn Care Brothers Unite Challenge put on by Cameron Duncan. Uh, To hear more about that, you can go look up Lawn Care Life in Missouri podcast, and Cameron Duncan will tell you all about it there. All right, let's jump into Faith Friday here. First, I want to talk a little bit about my week, how it's been going, how things have been doing with the business. The weather has been hot and dry. It is non-eventful. There, there's no rain. I mean, we have some rain in the forecast for this weekend. We'll see if we actually get it because it's, it's thunderstorms. So I'm not sure how big that system is. We'll see if it hits us or not. I hope it does. We are so dry here. It, I have never seen the lawns this brown before in my area. It's really bad. We need rain really bad. So even even lawns that are being watered daily are still brown. So it's really dry and we need rain desperately. So uh, with that being said, everything's still going okay with the business. We've I've cut way back on the mowing right now because we're just skipping a lot of lawns. I mean, not we're, I'm skipping a lot of lawns. But there's other things that I've been doing uh, today. I just mowed two lawns that were just one is watered so it had grown just a little bit the other I skipped the last two weeks and so I had to mow it just to clean it up get it looking nice again which I did so uh, just mowed those two lawns this week and then I had a relatively big shrub trimming job that I went and did and so my voice might give out early this week or this episode because there was a lot of pollen on these these bushes and it, it's just affected me. So if I if you hear me swallowing a lot, if you if I start coughing, if my voice starts to sound weak, it's just because of allergies and pollen. So it is what it is. We're going to push through this episode. So without any further ado, let me play the show sponsor and then we will jump right into today's Faith Friday episode. As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. All right, guys, so today, for today's Faith Friday, let me just explain For those of you that are new, how we do Faith Friday here. All right, so the way we do Faith Friday here is I take a 
book of the Bible. Right now we're in James. And I read through one chapter of the book of James right now. And then we go back to the to verse one and we go through it and we break it down. That's how I do my Faith Friday episodes. There are other people that do Faith episodes that do it completely different and that's fine. I like to do it this way because I like the word of God. Now, I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't, I, I'm not in the ministry. I don't have any biblical training. I just love the word of God and I like help helping people to understand it a little bit more as far as I can. Okay. So I, I'm not a Bible scholar. All right. So that's your disclaimer. All right. But I love sharing this stuff with people and I just like applying it to life where I can. I'm not that smart. I'm, you know, I just read it and I, I believe what it says, but I try to apply it to situations in life. Okay. So we are in chapter two of James. If you didn't hear chapter one, you can go back and listen to chapter one of James, but let's jump into James chapter two. This is a really good one, guys. I think this is going to be challenging, especially for those of us who are in business, who um, who really see those dynamics between rich and poor. Okay, so here we go. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among, among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the, plo- the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. I'm sorry, let me go back. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, 
keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want e- do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled by that fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And that ends chapter 2. All right, so let's go back to verse 1. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. So we can get into this. As individuals, we can get into this. And I've been guilty of this. I'm sure someone listening has been guilty of this. Maybe all of us listening have been guilty of this. We are prone to show favoritism. Why? Because we're sinners. It's just the way we are. It's our nature. Verse 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Verse 3, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So I read that whole section because it's all one story. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing really nice clothes and jewelry and you show him special attention. You give him one of the finest seats in the room because in, when this was written, when you were sitting down to eat, you would recline at the table. So you would kind of lay down at the table. The table was really low. They would put the food on the table and you would lay down and then your legs would kind of be sticking out and you kind of go around the table like that. And, but then you would, you would, anyone that was poor or whatever, they would sit away from the table. Anyone who wasn't good enough, they, they would sit away from the table. And that's what they're saying here is that why do you show favoritism? Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the clothes, here's a good seat for you, but 
say to the poor man, you stand over there in the corner or you sit on the floor by my feet. You can sit at my feet, you know, because I'm better than you. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? What makes the man with money better than the man that doesn't have money? That, that's the question that James is asking here. Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world in, in finances and, and things and houses and lands in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? The poor often, I, this is my experience, is that poor people often have way more faith than people that, that are rich. They have a lot more faith because they depend on God for so much because they don't have money to just go out and buy whatever they want. They have to pray and ask and seek God to give them the things that they need. Uh, let's see, where was I? Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. The, the Bible says that the poor will inherit the kingdom of God. The meek will inherit the kingdom of God. And it, the Bible also says that it will be harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven than it, uh, what is it? it said, the Bible says it's harder, it's easier for a rich man, let's rephrase this, it's easier for a rich man to enter through the eye of a needle than for him to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because it's hard for him to have faith, right? It's hard for him to trust in God when he has all the money at his hands, at his disposal, to get whatever he wants and needs, right? Verse 6, but you have insulted the poor. It is not the rich. I'm sorry, I always mess this up. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? See, in, in these times when this book was written... The Romans were in charge and the Romans had tax collectors. There were some Jewish tax collectors and they were the rich people and they would exploit everyone else. They would extort everyone else on their taxes. They would shave a little off the bottom and they were living large while everyone else was living very poorly. And so he's asking here, you know, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? When you didn't pay your taxes, they dragged you into court. When you didn't pay your debt, they dragged you into court. Because you didn't have the money to pay, they're dragging you into court. And if you don't have the money to pay, they throw you in prison until you can pay. It's kind of like it is today. Verse 7. Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Are they not the ones that are slandering the name of Jesus? That's what he's asking. Verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, the greatest commandment. Now that's a commandment. I want you to be clear on that. That's a commandment. To love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Verse 9, but if you show favoritism, 
the rich guy is better than the poor guy. If you show favoritism, you sin are and are conceited, or I'm sorry, and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker, the law of the Bible. All right. If you show favoritism, favoritism is a sin. And because of that, you're a lawbreaker. Verse 11, or I'm sorry, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So it, he's going to go on to say, if you murder somebody, but you don't commit adultery, then you're still, you're still a sinner. And if you commit adultery, but you don't murder somebody, you're still a sinner. If you don't commit adultery and you don't murder, but you show favoritism, you're still guilty of of all of breaking the law. You're still a lawbreaker. That's verse 11. Now I want to, I want to speak on this a little bit because, well, let's go into verse 12 and then, and then I'll go back and share a story. All right. Verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Verse 12 again, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So if you don't show mercy, you will be judged. You'll be judged by God. All right. Now, the, the story that I want to share is in my family, I have a very large family on my side of the family, my dad's side of the family. Um, the, the the family name there is Zook, okay? And one of the cousins, one of my cousins, the son of my great aunt, or aunt, I, I want to say aunt because it just sounds better on the recording, the son of my great aunt started an RV company. He started the KZ RV company. KZ stands for Kaufman Zook. He went into it as an as a partnership with one of his cousins, whose last name was Kaufman, and um, he my my cousin Daryl bought out the the Kaufman. I don't know Kaufman's first name, but anyway, he bought him out, and so he ran this KZ for years and years and years and years. And a lot of my cousins went and worked for him during the summer and things like that. And he, he's a very wealthy guy. He recently, uh, maybe five to seven years ago, sold KZ to the biggest RV company in the nation, and that's Thor. And so he sold KZ for many millions of dollars. And he has a lot of money, a lot of money, but... If you were to see him at a family reunion or in church or anywhere else, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. He doesn't live in a huge mansion. He does live on a lake, but he doesn't live in a huge mansion. And he has some nice things. He does. I'm sure he has a boat and he has an RV, <laughs> but it's a small RV. It's like a van size RV. And you would not know 
by looking at him, if you were to meet him, he would never say anything about it. But he's a multimillionaire. But you, you could not tell by looking at him. And we in the family know, okay, we in the family know, but we don't treat him any differently than any of the rest of us. I come from a family, a long line of farmers. So a lot of the farmers in my family don't have a lot of money. They don't have, uh, they're not well off. They struggle and they scrape together a living because they love farming. But we, when our families get together, we never treat anyone differently. It is family. We're family. We don't treat each other differently. We don't elevate Daryl. We don't, we don't uh, treat the, the lowliest farmer or the lawn care guy as an outcast. Same thing at church. Daryl will come and he'll bring his mother, my aunt, every once in a while to church. And they live about two hours away. Or my aunt lives about two hours away now. She's in, a, in an older folks home um, because she just can't live on her own. Uh, but she's still smart, you know, sharp as a tack. But so this is my church where I go is her home church. She has been, she went there for years. And so whenever they can, they come up and, and nobody treats Daryl any different than anyone else in the church. And, and most of us know who he is and it's, it's refreshing. In fact, when I look at this James passage, I often think about people who are the opposite way of this. Because in today's culture, it's, it's looked down upon to have a lot of money. People look down on you. The poor people look down on you. Maybe they're not even poor. Maybe they're just middle class. But they look down on the rich people and they they're mad and they're jealous and they treat those people differently. And so that I, I kind of flip this on its head in James when I look at it, because we can get all messed up. Like I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I could look at someone who's rich and be jealous and and, and want what they have, covet what they have. And, and that's a sin as well. That's, some, that's another part of this we have to look at. And so when we're, when we're looking at someone who's rich, don't judge that person. And when you see someone that's poor, also don't judge that person. You know, I've had people that look down on me because they think I make a lot of money because I own a business. It's just not the way life is. That's not how business is. Um, there are some people that do very well at business. They've run a really good business like my cousin Daryl. There are some people that just don't do very good at business and they don't have a lot of money. There, There's poor people that own businesses. They are the entrepreneurial poor. They're, they're, there's, a, there's a term for them. And there's people like me who are just kind of in the middle. So 
we cannot be looking down on each other. We cannot be treating each other differently because one's rich, one's poor. We cannot do it. There's a doctor at my church. He, he's wealthy. You would never know it. I mean, he lives in a very nice big farmhouse. He's got a farm. It's very nice, very manicured. And they have a few toys, but they do not display their opulence. They, they are down to earth. They'll go hiking with us. We go hiking with the church once a year. They lead the hike. They, they are more than willing to get down and dirty and, and just be in it. They volunteer their time to build things and help people in our church. You would never know that he's a doctor outside of the office or that he's got a lot of money. You just wouldn't know because they, they don't live their life as if they have a lot of money and they, they don't, they don't hold themselves like, oh yeah, they don't walk around with their nose up in the air. And so there are some rich people that do that. There are some influencers in the lawn care industry who do that. And there are some that are just down to earth, normal and, and wonderful people. And I get that. And I love that. And I'm not looking down on the ones that are proud of where they come from and where they're going. I'm, I'm glad for them. I am proud of them that they can make a lot of money with social media and their lawn care business. I am, I am thrilled for them. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and judge them for, for holding themselves in a certain way. I'm not, that's not for me to do. I don't care. They're still good people in my eyes. Okay. I just, I think we have to be, it's on both sides. It's on both sides, the rich and the poor. We have to treat each other as if money is not even in the equation. No matter how we're dressed, no matter what car we drive, nothing. We're people. The rich are people. The poor are people. That's what I think James is saying here is that we have to treat each other with respect and like humans and like we are brothers and sisters in Christ. No one is better than one another. In fact, I just heard on the radio on the way home from doing the shrub trimming job that the, the little submersible that went down to look at the Titanic. I just heard that it imploded. They found evidence that the capsule just imploded. Basically what happens at that depth is if there's any kind of breach or depressurization, the pressure at that depth just crushed that thing like a can. So no survivors... And one of the people on there was a billionaire. Guess where his money is? Did he take that money with him when he died? Did he leave this earth with that billions of dollars? 
No, it's still in the bank. It's still in his retirement fund. It's still here on earth. He can't take it with him. We can't take money with us. That's why James says here, the poor are, are more favored in the kingdom because they're not held back in faith by their money. Oftentimes, rich people are held back by their, their money in their relationship with Jesus. And so that's, that's what I think we have to take away from this portion, James chapter 2. All right, let's keep going on. I've spent enough time on that. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? What good is it if a man claims to have faith, claims to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he has no deeds to show for it? In other words, his faith is not being walked out in his life. He's not helping the poor. He's not helping his neighbor. He's not helping the people at church. He's just doing his own thing, walking his own way. This is something that I really love about the church that I go to. All my growing up years, the church that I go to, the we're Anabaptists, okay? We're an Anabaptist church. Another word that we would use is Mennonite, okay? We're not Amish, all right? Look at me, I'm not Amish. I'm an Anabaptist. One of the things that we do really well in the Mennonite church is when someone in the community is in need, we drop what we're doing and we go and help. The place that I used to work, it burned down. When I was in high school, it burned down. The whole church came out, rallied around the business owner who was a church owner or a church member. We helped clear up all the mess. And then the Amish from the Amish community in our area came out. And I mean, all the men from the community almost came out and erected a new building within a couple of weeks. I mean, complete within a couple of weeks. We had the sh- they had the shell up within 2 days. It was amazing. That is that is what faith needs to do. When someone's in need, we got to help. That's 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 faith with deeds. Let's keep going here. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Verse 16. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? If you say you have faith, but you say to a brother or sister, who's down on their luck, who needs clothes, who needs food, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well-fed, but you don't offer them any clothes. You don't offer them blankets. You don't offer them food. What good is that faith? It's nothing. Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied 
by action is dead. Now, this is something that I struggle, I have struggled with because I got kind of wrapped up in the the Calvinist kind of view of, of faith. And the Calvinist view of faith is faith alone. All right. So in Christ alone, by faith alone. This is saying no. This is saying no, it can't be faith alone. It's with deeds. Now, it could be that the Calvinist view is faith alone, but that faith has to be proved by works, by deeds. And I get that. I get it. It's kind of saying the same thing. The Catholic view would be that you cannot be saved. It has to be faith plus your deeds, plus your works equals salvation. And I don't believe that either. All right. I think your faith has to be walked out in your deeds. There's a difference. I think there's a difference there. So I I just want to make that clear. Verse 17 again, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead. If you don't have action with your faith, your faith's dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Someone says, I have faith without deeds. I don't do anything. I, you know, I I don't do anything. One of the things that I like that I see a lot is that people with money, rich people, we'll just call them rich people, people with money, oftentimes they will just throw money at a problem. They will not give of their time. Giving of your money is not a deed. Really, I, I don't think. It is, but it isn't. It's kind of a cop-out. Give money and give your time. Yeah, Sure, you can throw money at things. You can throw money at something. But give of your time. That's more valuable. Time is more valuable than money. And so I think that is where James is going here. Give of yourself, not just your money. Give of yourself. All right, let's verse 19. You will believe you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I don't exactly oh, I guess he's talking about the person with faith but no deeds. You know, the the person with with faith says, "I believe there's one God." Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous? For what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. So if you remember back to the story of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's son. His only son. Isaac and Sarah. Sarah was Abraham's wife. Waited until they or they didn't wait. They couldn't have children for many years. Hundreds of years. Back then people lived a lot longer. But one day God did a miracle. And Sarah got pregnant. And God 
said to when Isaac was a boy, he said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son to me on the altar, on an altar. And Abraham said, I'll do it. I don't know how, but I'll do it. And he prayed that God would give them a way out. So the story goes that they traveled a ways. They they went up on a hill on a mountain. Abraham built an altar, laid his son Isaac on the altar. And as he raised the knife to plunge it into his son, to sacrifice his son, God said, Abraham, something like that. He said his name or something. And then there they saw a, a lamb in a thicket. And he said, Don't sacrifice your son. There's the lamb. That's the same thing. That's the evidence. Abraham had faith. He was willing to go all the way to sacrifice his son. He didn't know how or what God was doing, but he believed that God was good and that if he obeyed God, he would be blessed. Verse 20, or I'm sorry, verse 22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was complete because he said, okay, God, I'm trusting you. I have faith that even if you don't provide a lamb, that you know what you're doing. I have faith. Verse 23, and the scriptures will fulfill that that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. God called Abraham a friend because Abraham believed what God said. He he had action, he had faith. He had actions to go along with his faith. He was willing to do whatever God asked him to do. Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So there we go. If you want to fight Calvinism, that would be the verse, right? You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So maybe the Catholics are right. Maybe it's faith plus works could be it could be verse 25 in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in the direction in the in a different direction as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead so you have to go back into the Old Testament to know these stories. Rahab was a prostitute and she hid spies that the Lord sent into um, Jericho. And I believe it was Jericho. And she hid them from, from the, the soldiers. And then she helped them escape. And God credited that. She, God considered that righteousness. And she's one of the the only women, she's the only prostitute, I believe, that is um, considered righteous in the Bible. 
I believe. I don't know for sure, but she's in Jesus' lineage, I believe. So, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. That's the end of chapter two. That's the whole kind of the crux that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? If you don't have deeds to go along with your faith, if you're not showing with actions, with your time, with you as a person, not just with money, with you as a person and your time, showing people that they are more important than your business, than the things you have to do, that is real faith. That's real faith. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful for you. I hope you learned something. And as always, I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.